My name's Robert Paris. I was a member here up until June, July 2006, uh, 2010. So we've been gone about six years. And uh, we're back now for a while until the Lord shows us what's next. Uh, we came here back in 2002 when we were missionaries with IMB over in China. Uh, the Lord blessed us with nine years there uh, in China and back and forth here on furlough and got to know this church and and love it, and uh, hope you guys know how blessed you are uh, here at Mount Airy. Um, if you haven't been anywhere else, or, or this is kind of just what you know, um, man, you, you've got a great church. Uh, you've got a great pastor. Anybody want to guess at the tenure, average tenure of a Southern Baptist pastor? You're high. Two years got a pastor that's getting ready to celebrate 20. Uh, he's invested his life here. He's invested, their family's invested here. And um, the Lord has honored that and blessed it. And uh, what you see here is, is God's uh, hand upon um, their ministry as a family and, and you guys. And so you make sure when you get the opportunity that, that you tell him how much you appreciate him. Um, because it's truly unique to sit under a pastor that's been at church for 20 years. Um, today, I want to talk about, tonight, about temptation. Temptation. I know nobody else uh, has ever struggled with temptation. Um, but, you know, it's, it's something that's just common to mankind. Uh, temptation is something we deal with. Uh, and we deal with it sometimes well and sometimes not so well. And uh, we're going to look at a, at a passage today uh, that talks about temptation. So if you have your, your Bibles with you today, please turn to the book of James, the first chapter. I call James the Bible in blue jeans. Uh, James is just an easy-to-understand book. It's a book that uh, is to the point that speaks to our everyday needs. It's so practical. Um, it's one of those books that is just a blessing uh, if you take the time to, to read it and study it. We're going to be reading James, the first chapter, uh, verses 13 through 18 is going to be our, our focal text today. Uh, if you will, please stand in the honor of a reading of God's Word. James 1. 13 through 18, reading out of the NIV. When tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. But each person is tempted when they are dragged away by their own evil desire and enticed. Then after desire has conceived, gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is full grown, gives birth to death. Don't be deceived, my dear brothers and sisters. Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. He chose to give us birth through the word of truth, that we might be a kind of first fruits of all he created. Lord God, as we come to this passage tonight, I pray that, Lord God, you would just speak to us through it. Lord, speak to us about our own character, our, our own uh, issues that we deal with. 
Lord, also speak to us about your character. And, and Lord, teach us how to deal wisely with temptation. Lord, we love you and we pray this in your precious son's name. Amen. You may be seated. Tonight, I want to look at the, the life cycle of sin. The life cycle of sin. Um, as you look at this passage in, in verses 13 and 17, you're going to see a lot about the character of God. Character of God in these verses. Who is God? What, what is God like? And I think one of the main things that we see here about the character of God is, is that God is He's not, there is no sin. He is holy. He's holy. He's perfect. In fact, in Revelation, the, the heavenly creatures there, they sing, Holy, holy, holy. It's the Lord God Almighty. That, that repetition of three times, emphasizing the very holiness of God, the perfection of God. Not a, not a single thing impugns upon the Lord's perfection. The text here says, when we're tempted, that we can't say that, that God tempted us. can't say that God tempted us because God does no tempting. Now, God does allow trials in our life. He allows us to face situations that are difficult, but He doesn't bring that temptation by in hopes that we're going to fall to that temptation. That, that's never God's desire. It's never God's design, but oftentimes living in a fallen world, we have those temptations that come along that when they do, they're opportunities for us to test our faith. See, the Bible says we're to test ourselves to see if we're in the faith. Test ourselves. Well, you know, whenever I was in school and I took a test, you know, I was usually doing it because the teacher made me and the teacher wanted to see what I knew. But see, God knows what we're going to do. God isn't sitting there wondering, well, I wonder what Lisa's going to do when she gets tempted by this thing coming along. No, God knows exactly what Lisa's going to do. So what's the test? Why, why the test to see that you're in the faith? It's for us to see where we're at in our faith, how strong our faith is. If, if truly we're in the faith to begin with, are we Christians as we say we are? And then if we are, how strong is that faith? How mature is our faith? The test says there, no one should say God is tempted me, for God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. Verse 17 talks about the goodness of God. Every good and perfect gift is from above. It's from the Father of heavenly lights. Isn't that a beautiful name for God? The Father of heavenly lights. We were out at Lake Fontana this past week. And you get away from the city and, and you don't get all the, the light pollution and, and you look up at the sky at night and there's just stars everywhere. And I'm thinking, that's a father of heavenly lights. He made every one of those up there. So gorgeous. The God that made every star that knows them by name created you and me. And he is good. He's a father that gives good gifts. He's a father that only gives good gifts because in him there is no evil. There is no imperfection. 
another characteristic there of, of God that you see is God doesn't change. He's not like a shifting shadow. You know, as we were out at the lake, my girls, they love to lay out on the dock and uh, sunbathe down there. And, and, you know, it starts in the morning and, you know, they're turned this way with the sun. And, you know, and throughout the day, you can just watch them. You know, they're turning on the dock to keep the sun in, in the right direction uh, for them to, to get the best tan. That shadows from the umbrella on the dock, they're moving throughout the day. God doesn't move like that. God doesn't change. God's not one that we think, well, you know what? Uh, God used to be this way, but now he's this way. No, he's the same yesterday, today, and he'll be the same tomorrow. Don't have to wonder with God. You know, there's some people out there that their personalities are such, you may have a, a boss like this at work or, or a friend that you know that, I mean, they emotionally, they're just like this. And, and when you meet them, it's like a Jekyll or Hyde. You, you know, you're not sure which one you're going to get when you meet them. Well, guess what? God's not that way. God's always good, always righteous, always holy. He's consistent. Never shifts. Never shifts like the shadows there. That's just part of the character of God. Holiness. Goodness, righteousness, consistency. But how about the character of man from our text here? Look at verse 14. But every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. He's drawn away by his own lust or his own evil desire. He's tempted by something inside him. You know, each one of us are different in what tempts us. Um, for some, that may be money. For others, it might be fame. For others, it might be sex. For others, it might be whatever. Each one's different. But that comes from within, not from without. Now, Satan, not the equal of God on the opposite side, but very intelligent created being knows us pretty well and he knows what our habits are and he knows what our temptations are and he knows how to push our buttons so he's really good at sending things externally around us that will be pleasing to our eyes and things that we will easily fall into but guess where the temptation there's that outward stimulus but guess where the temptation originates from from inside it's our own evil desire you say well where did that come from well if you look back at genesis genesis tells us that we were created in god's image we were created in his image and it said that god looked at the man and woman he had created in his own image and he said that it was good it was good there there was no evil at that point there was no sin there was a holiness about man because he had been created by a holy God. There was a righteousness there. But it didn't take too long before sin entered the picture. When Adam and Eve decided they wanted what they wanted instead of what God had told them that they should do, sin entered the picture. And at that point, ever since then, throughout history every person has had to deal with that inner sin that we're all born with 
that's where that temptation comes from. We, we can't blame it on God. I mean, think about even in the first very example. What did Eve do? She blamed Adam blamed Eve, Eve blamed the serpent, and, and then she also, if you look back, she blamed God, right? She said, well, you know, you, sh- you shouldn't have given this to us and not allowed us to, to partake of this, and, and it was that snake. And, and ultimately, remember, Satan's a created being, so in some way God had done this. Don't we do that sometimes? We get in a situation and we fall into temptation and, and we know it comes from in here, but we start looking out there. We start looking at, oh, my wife, or oh, it was my friend, or ultimately, God, why would you do that to me? Why would you allow that temptation to come along? And our text tells us we can never blame God for that temptation. The, the character of man is, is one of sin, Romans tells us for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We've we've all come short. There's this issue, God is holy and we are not. God cannot be in the presence of anything that's not holy. We're not holy. What are we going to do? We can't work our way to God. We're not good enough. We're not righteous enough. We can't get rid of the sin. But God loved us so much, so much, that he came down, hung on a cross, paid for our sin in full, so that we might have a relationship with him forever. What a beautiful gospel message. God, that righteous God, that holy God, did the thing that only he could do to allow us to live with him for eternity. We looked a little bit at the character of God. We looked a little bit at our character, but I want us to see in verses 14 and 16 there. I want us to look at that life cycle of sin. Let's, let's understand little bit about sin. How does it develop inside us? And go to that next slide. Whenever you were in biology, you probably saw this diagram or something like it. Um, shows kind of the metamorphosis of a frog as he goes through his, uh, his life. And that adult frog lays the eggs. And, and the eggs become tadpoles. And man, I can remember as a little boy wading around out there with a little net and catching those tadpoles and putting them in a tank, taking them home. And, and then all of a sudden, I'm, I'm, you know, watching these tadpoles, and I'm like, man, these are the coolest things. And all of a sudden, I'm like, Mom, they got legs on them. Where'd those legs come from? And then all of a sudden, they got legs on the front side, too. And then all of a sudden, those tadpoles are starting to lose their tail, and they're wanting to come out of that water. They're turning into a full-fledged frog. That life cycle. Well, how about sin? If you look at these two verses, you're going to see the similar uh, pattern of that lifestyle of sin. Notice there in, in 14 it says, But each person is tempted when he's dragged away by his own evil desire and enticed. Then after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is full grown, gives birth to death. Here's the life cycle of sin at Starts out as 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 death. See, when we're born with with that sin, we're separated from God. We we have a condition that's going to lead to death spiritually. It's already caused us spiritual death. In fact, if you remember in Genesis, what did God tell them? Why shouldn't they eat of the fruit? 
you will surely what? Die. Well, wait a minute. They ate of the fruit and they didn't die, or you tell me God lied? Well, they didn't die yet. See, they weren't designed for death. They wouldn't have died. God didn't design them in his image to die, but that sin, whenever it came into the picture, all of a sudden their body was destined for death. But not only a physical death, they were also separated from God. Remember what happened to them? God came to them. He, he asked them what they had done. They explained the situation. They blamed each other. And, and what happened to them? God talked about the curse that each one of them would be under because of the choices they had made. And then what happened to them? They were placed outside the garden. They were separated from God. But they were also separated spiritually from God. See, that gets us back to what we were talking about, the character of man. We're, we're separate. From God, So we've got this death issue, and then out of that becomes that desire. And that's what we talked about, that from within us comes this desire. And once we have that desire, the desire's there. What are we going to do with it? See, that's the temptation part. See, that we, we haven't given in to it yet. We, we've got this temptation. It, we've got this opportunity to, for all this fame and we just have to step on the backs of a couple of co-workers to get to it you know what are we going to do see the temptations there the desires there that on that lust is starting to to raise its ugly head inside of us and and what are we going to do with it well if we give in to that desire we come up with a design it begins to mature. That, that temptation begins to grow. Just like that frog, it begins to change. And all of a sudden we think, well, you know what? I don't, I don't only have to do step one, two, and three to be able to get what I want. I only got to do these few things. And you begin to, to work that plan to, to get whatever it is that you want that's tempting you. And, and there's a design involved there. And, and out of that becomes disobedience. All of a sudden, we have done what we know we were told not to do, and we've disobeyed God. We've sinned. That's what sin is, right? It's just disobeying God. It's, it's not necessarily murdering someone. It's not robbing the bank. It's, it's not those things that we think of as the big sins. It, it's disobeying God. It's, hey, to your two-year-old, don't touch that hot eye on the stove what do they do go and they touch it don't eat another cookie you come in and you find them behind the couch with the cookie that's the sin and the disobedience that happens there whether big or little in in our mind as the world puts it it becomes that barrier between us and God and it leads back full-fledged to that death that eternal separation from God you say well man, that's a lot of bad news we know we all deal with this temptation what are, what are we going to do with it what do we do when we experience temptation i want you to flip over to galatians the fifth chapter galatians the fifth chapter verses 16 through 25 you know god in his wisdom gave us his perfect inerrant word 
And any time in life you experience temptation, you know where you first ought to go, and sometimes it's the last place we go, is to God's Word. God gives us a, he gives us a blueprint. He gives us a, a, a way to figure out how to work through a situation. All too often we bypass that and we go to what's between these two ears that we think so smart and we try to figure it out and, and then we wonder why it doesn't work. God gives us blueprint. These verses here talk about that. Galatians 16, 25 and, and the whole setting here is, is really the, the fruit of the flesh versus the fruit of the Spirit. Fruit of the flesh versus fruit of the Spirit. Verse 16, Galatians 5 says, So I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. So he gives us point one. We're to walk by the Spirit. If we do that, we don't gratify those inner urgings, those inner temptations. We, we don't allow that life cycle of sin to, to fully conceive. We, we walk by the Spirit. You say, well, that's kind of new ages. What? What does it mean to walk by the Spirit? You know, what, how, how do we do that? Verse 17, For the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They're, they're in opposition to one another. They're, they're night and day to one another. They are in conflict with each other so that you are not to do whatever you want. Verse 18, But if you are led by the Spirit, okay, going to tell us what that Walking by the Spirit means you are not under the law. Not under the law. Means where it's not a set of do's and don'ts. It's not legalism here. It's, it's not talking about that. It's talking about righteousness. It's talking about walking in what is pleasing to our Lord and Savior. It says there, the acts of the flesh, and that's going to give us a long list of those acts of the flesh. And remember I told you before that each one of us are different in what tempts us. And you can look through that list and it varies everything from sexual immorality to fits of rage to drunkenness and envy and all different types of sins are listed there. It says, I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. So we have this list of things that exemplify walking outside of the Spirit, walking according to the flesh. But then it's going to give us, well, what should we be doing? How should we be acting when we walk in the Spirit? But the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, forbearance, or yours may say patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. You know what I've found in all the mistakes I've made along the way in dealing with temptations is that any time I give in to the flesh... I never have peace. I never have peace. Oh, I might have got what I wanted. I might have got the money. I might have got the position. I, I might have got whatever it was that my flesh said, man, you need that. But what I found was, in the end, I didn't have any peace. I went home after the victory party, and I got home at night, and there was an emptiness in my soul. You ever been there? 
where you just you, you get what you want and, and then when it's all said and done, it really just doesn't mean anything. You know what, that's been a good indicator to me as I've grown in my faith that, you know what, I was walking according to the flesh. What I was after was not what God desired for me. It was what I desired for me. Uh, it was what I wanted. And I might have rationalized that God wanted me to have it, but in the end, the lack of peace, the lack of joy, uh, the lack of self-control ended up being the barometer that really indicated to me, you know what, you weren't walking according to the Spirit. And because of that, you're experiencing one of those fruits of the flesh, not the fruits of the Spirit. It says, those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Those who belong to Christ, you know what, I'm sure glad that Jesus paid that in full. Because I tell you what, I can seem to crucify my desires and for some reason I just keep crawling down off that cross. My, my desires keep coming back and, and I keep wanting those things of the flesh and, and it's that sanctification process. That, that's a fancy religious term, but it just means, you know what, it's the spiritual maturing process that we go through in life. And, you know, I hope there's a day Keep thinking, one of these days I'm going to get to that age and that spiritual maturity level where, man, I just don't want those things anymore. I hadn't got there yet. Hadn't figured out if it even exists. Maybe it doesn't exist on this side of heaven. But God desires for us to keep maturing towards that direction. He desires for us to enjoy the fruits of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace. Patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. That's what God desires out of us. So what do we do with this temptation? Well, first identify it whenever it comes up. Identify it. Look at the thing and say, you know what? Where's this coming from? Where's this temptation coming from? Is this God bringing something into my life that is a godly, righteous thing that he desires me to pursue? Or is this coming from within? If it comes from within, you need to be real careful and you need to say, well, we need to stop and judge this because I remember in James it says that from within us comes those evil desires. We've got to stop and say, okay, where's my heart on this issue? Where's my heart? You, you identify that temptation and you say, okay, is, is this something of God or, or something of my own evil desires? And then once you identify it, if it's of my own evil desires, Start asking God to help you to walk in the Spirit. See, the Spirit, the Holy Spirit gives us the power as believers in Christ to be able to walk in the power of God, to overcome those temptations. Third thing you do with those temptations, you might have to do what Daniel did. You might have to leave your coat, and you may have to just run the other way depending on what the temptation is. Sometimes we just have to retreat and get out of there what do you do with your temptations we all experience them how do you handle them God's given us a blueprint pray today as we've looked at James that it's been something that's spoken to you that's practical that you can 
put into practice as you go about your everyday life. My prayer is that each one of us, as we walk out our faith, grow closer to the Lord. We grow closer to knowing that joy and that peace on a more and more consistent basis in our life. And when we do that, you know what God does? He allows us to be used more and more by Him. People begin to ask, well, how can you experience such peace in the middle of this trial or or this situation? Have those opportunities where you can say, you know what? Man, that hurts. That stinks. Whatever it is I'm having to go through, I don't like any of that. But you know what? I know a God who has all things in his control. He's holy. He's good. He's taking care of everything in his own timing and in his own plan. I tell you what, as you do that more and more, as I do that more and more, you'll experience that joy and that peace. Let me pray for us as we close. Lord God, we thank you for today. Thank you for the opportunity to be here. To, Lord, look into your blueprint for life, your holy word. To see, Lord, that you have not left us without direction, without instruction, without your wisdom. But, Lord God, you have given us everything we need. Lord God, I know that each one of us struggle with temptation. I know that, Lord, at times we we give in to that temptation. But, Lord God, I pray that you would continue to work out your perfect will in our life. Holy Spirit, you would empower us to live a life that brings you glory, that brings you fame, that, Lord God, we would make it our goal in life to lift your name on high. And, Lord God, when we do that, Lord, you will draw all men to yourself. Lord God, you'll give us that peace and that joy that ultimately we're really seeking in the things of this world that do not get us to that point. Lord, we just love you. We thank you for all your blessings. In Jesus' name, amen.